listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collins, and joining me today, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm here. You know, uh, yes. we're sitting I'm here. here. You're right. It's It's been a long week. It's actually been a long couple of weeks. You know, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the stretch, but the Flyers have played 12 games over the last three weeks, and... <laughs> I think we're all a little tired, and and we're we're cruising into the All Star break here. We're yeah. recording on the Sunday morning. <laughs> Could you use a break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I've I've been the same way. I've been looking forward to this week away. Kind of, it was, you know, like I when I I was kind of doing my rundown of what I'm going to write this week, or like you know, and when there's four games in a week, like there has been, then you automatically have to go in and go preview, recap, preview, recap, preview, recap, like a whole deal of stuff. And it was nice to kind of look at this week and go, you know what? I pretty much have two things I'm going to probably do outside of the podcast episode. And that's pretty much it unless something happens. because, And there shouldn't be because they're on a bye week the whole week. So there shouldn't be any crazy news or anything like that. So I'm looking at kind of – for look, you you can never really analyze a team until you get to this kind of point where it's like, hey, listen, we've got a few days to do some stuff, not one overnighter to – kind of throw in something like you can do that with an occasional like you can do it with like a story uh, about a specific aspect of the team but you really can't look at the team as a whole and try to break a whole bunch big big picture kind of deal without having some good time that's why we usually wait until the off season for those or like christmas time or something like that like when you know you get a break this is a, a legitimate break and then like the only other thing i know that i'm planning to write about is the all-star game's gonna fit into this so I'll probably have something on Kevin Hayes just because he's the All Star. So, and he talked a lot about being an All Star and things like that. And we all know there's, it a, means there's a, a really right. Sure. And there's a there's a lot of good little stories he's featured from some stuff about his brother to what the weekend's going to be. So I'll throw all that together probably on the day of the All Star game, like or have it up on the day of the All Star game. So it'll be fun. Yeah, and um, so before we jump into this week's games. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go find us on SportsTalkPhilly.com. Uh, so, a couple of games against Winnipeg this week that kind of bookended the weekend. Do you want to you want to start with Saturday night and go backwards, or do you want to start Saturday or last Sunday night and kind of move forward? Either way doesn't really matter. I mean, they it was kind of one of those. You know, I remember talking about it last week on the show that this was going to be a way to kind of test where they kind of where they are because we looked at the entire week or the entire month leading up to and it was like okay look they're beating Anaheim they're beating Buffalo I mean Buffalo has been a better team but the, and they but they started to beat some decent teams but they beat Anaheim twice they beat Arizona it's like all right you know right but then they then they beat more Washington expected. they beat Buffalo you know, right when they beat teams. Buffalo well, and they beat Buffalo convincingly they beat yeah. Washington two times in a row two games in a row and Okay, so they lose to Toronto and they lose to Boston, but they kind of kept following this. Who's track. not losing to Toronto and Boston? It feels like, and even at the end of last week, though, we we like looked at the way that like it was okay. They lose the game to Chicago, which maybe was a little unexpected. You know, they're but they they should be a better team than Chicago, and then they beat Detroit again on the road, and it's like okay, you're going into Sunday. You've lost three games in the month. That's not bad, obviously. You're doing something right. And and if you book it, not bookended it, but if you kind of tacked on those two other games at the end of 2022 that were wins also, you're like, to go nearly a month and have only three losses is is really moving in the right direction. And we that's why Especially we Especially a dense month. Right. And that's kind of why we had to start 
talking about playoffs a little bit because it's like, listen, they're they're in the race. Kind they were of five points point. out. They were getting right. They're they're working their way back into this thing. And if this and then the key was, if this continues, we're gonna have no choice but to continue talking about it. And they kind of met their as match of to, this week. As of today, there are six points out, even with a bit of a poor week. And I know that the Penguins have two games at hand. I do understand that. Sure, but, but uh, do you want to know the there. way? No, but do you want to know the way I actually kind of looked at it? And, and, and this isn't the way to perfectly look at it because there's two teams. Because Buffalo also has games in hand, and I get that. But look at where Washington is, who has the same number of games played that you do, and they're seven points ahead. That's a vulnerable team. It's not that it's vulnerable. Like the thing that I can't get over when I look at that, if you, if you're going to talk the playoff conversation, which again, totally different story here. Like most people by now who listen to the show should know where I stand on it, Same. where I've kind of called the shots on where it should go because they're stuck in the middle, and that's why. Like last week's episode was titled "Stuck in the Middle." Yep. That's why. Like they're they're definitely stuck in the middle, and it was even the way I described the game going into uh, going against Minnesota because Minnesota is like for a playoff team. They could just as easily be out because Minnesota is one point up on Colorado and then to be from being third place in the central to being in a wild card spot to being tied for the last playoff spot. So you're stuck in the middle, too. Like it's that close that you could be in today out tomorrow kind of stuff. The Flyers are even worse middle because it's not even in. You're right. you're a ways away from being in, but you're a ways away from being at the bottom. So you're yep. really stuck in the middle. And the difference, though, especially over the course of this week or even just the course of this week slash last week, because they had taken care of business against every team below them in the standings, every single team until that Chicago game. If they win the Chicago game and then take any two overtime losses that they have, and I'm willing to throw out a handful here because, like, I'm not talking about just this week. Like, maybe they get one this week where they win in overtime, but what about the game against Montreal way back that goes to a shootout where they're one second away from winning the game anyway? And there's another point. What about the game? What about an overtime game against Arizona who you think you would think they could be? And they did. And they did already once the season later on. So, what if that turns into an extra point? So, what if you could kind of amass at least one point in that Chicago game plus two or three more from these overtime losses. They've got nine of the, or eight of them in overtime, nine if you include the one shootout loss. Sure. What if, what if you could suddenly pull four or five points, and next thing you know, you're talking about being three points back of Washington What if the Rangers, with the same number of games? What if the Rangers won that shootout in 2010? Well, exactly. I yeah, it's 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 one of those. No, 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 no. And I'm not trying to. And I'm not trying to do revisionist history here and like make it one of these things where it's like, hey, listen, if they did this, no, no, no. But the point is, is that if you were like seriously, they've got eight eight, eight games lost well, over them. They're one and eight in games in three on three overtime, right. not including the shootout. So they've got a ninth loss there because they've only been to one shootout all year, which is kind of, to be honest, at 51 games in, is kind of shocking. Yeah, and and that just reinforces what we've been talking about. They're not a good team. Good teams find a way to win those games. Good teams find a way to get those points. Good teams find a way to not blow a lead to the Montreal Canadiens with less than two seconds on the clock. They were in a bad place at that time, obviously, and I get that. But like, but they're just a bad team is well, what I'm saying. Yes, they're playing better. Yes, the vibes are high. Yes, people are playing well. I don't. I don't think they're. A, again, they're okay, they're, I don't think they're a bad team. I don't think they're a. They're an average team. That's what it is. You're stuck in the middle. You are average. Right and. I still think it's crazy because it's what I've been saying on this show for almost two years. 
I still think that if, if this team was 100% healthy as constructed, you have Sean Couturier, you have Ryan Ellis, you have uh, Cam Atkinson, this is a pretty decent team. But as of right now, I did also name a top six uh, winger, your number one center, and theoretically your number one defenseman, allegedly. So... I'd love to know how, like, sure, we all would love to know how much would be different if those right. guys were able to play with regularity. Right, if you're playing I mean, what ifs, that's, those are the what ifs that I'm... Well, sure, and, and, but, but that's why, like, to your point and to mine, kind of, in a way, when it comes to this overtime stuff, you could get a ton of extra points based on the games they've lost in three-on-three, three, which a handful of years ago, they couldn't lose in three-on-three, three, it felt like. They would win, like, six of those in a row because they actually had some players who could score. Right. Well, they're missing all their skill players, like I just kind of touched on, and not literally all of them. There are some talented players. I'm, I'm certainly not. I don't completely, and I don't completely disagree with that in the sense that, like, it's not just that they're missing them; they don't have enough. Oh like, no, you, absolutely not. Like, you shouldn't like to me, and, and I'm not trying. This is not to take away from what Sean Couturier offers, but I don't look at him as a guy who I sit there and I go, "He's built for three on three per se." Right, but. Good teams have depth and can survive the loss of a star. For example, Austin Matthews is going to be out three weeks. Now, he's only going to miss six games because of the All-Star break, and I don't know right. if you've seen, seen the six games, but it's actually insane. It's it's the best possible time to get injured. It's actually insane. So with the exception of that one game against Boston, you're telling me, probably? Yeah. After the All-Star break, they play Montreal twice. Uh, oh, no, Columbus twice, Chicago, no, Columbus, and Montreal. Right. And then Chicago again. Chicago again. again. Yes. It's ridiculous. Um, so he, he got hurt at the perfect time. But e either way, even if they were playing reasonable, you know, mid-caliber playoff teams, the, Montre or the Toronto Maple Leafs would be fine. They'd probably win most of those games. Maybe because, all of them. Because they actually have another high-skill player. But they have multiple. It, well, multiple, I know. But you know what At I every mean. position. You can't Except take, maybe goalie. But, but you can't take away... If Sean Couturier's your guy or Cam Atkinson's your guy, you can't take away that and then not have anything to counter it with. Sure. Like, that's the difference. Like, that doesn't mean that you're a team with no, like, with, that lacks depth per se, because I think the Flyers actually have more depth than people want to give it to because, because you've got guys who on most teams would fit into the bottom six. You can't have 20 bottom sixers, though. Right. And that's the thing is. <sighs> Does Nick Delorier play above the fourth line on any playoff team? No, but that's about, exactly the point. How about Zach McEwen? No. How about Patrick Brown? Does Patrick Brown make any other playoff team? I like Patrick Brown, but let's be real. I I thought you were going to say that about Zach McEwen, to be honest. Because does he even make it? I agree. Or, 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 I agree. Or, I, I shouldn't say does he even make it. Because th those guys land on rosters in the playoffs. Yes. They don't play. Usually. Right, they're they're, they're your black the ace. They're your right. right. Th well, th that or they're number thirteen, and they're on the roster, but they sit out every game until until somebody gets inevitably hurt that you need to throw somebody in. But yes, certain coaches would rather go eleven seven than put Zach McEwen in the lineup. Like let's. <laughs> it, I mean, the Flyers beat the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the week. Because two guys got hurt and didn't make a call on it. That is fair. It, they literally threw in two guys who hadn't played a game in what feels like forever. And but, still won the game. Right. But what I mean about the Flyers roster is that they have they have definitionally depth players. Mm -hmm. What they don't have is any sort of depth of scoring talent, depth of high-end skill. 
and I don't look. I, it, that's it's a blanket state, like it's a broad statement here that we were making right. with this. I don't want to make right. it seem like like a guy like Travis Konechny can't bring you some high end. I'm not trying to say that. It's but but then but like the point is is that okay, go off of their first line right now, or what we presume to be the first line because John Tortorella doesn't do numbers with the lines. No. I get it, but. Joel Faraby, Noah Cates, and Travis Konechny, let's just say. Okay, yep. Konechny's playing like an all-star, or was for he a little sure while. Is. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. But that could also be, as we've been talking about so for the entire time so far, is that a little bit of the fatigue of 12 games in three weeks kind of deal where you're playing literally every other night for a while? Yes, that can probably get in the way. Yeah. Um, Noah Cates has picked it up offensively picked kind of in that up. time, which yep. is a good sign. But he's really and, and I love that Tortorella kind of said this because not in style. I don't want to compare styles, but he is giving me Sean Couturier vibes right now in the sense that the defense is the big focus for a young player who seems to like all they talk about is how smart he is defensive position right. wise. That's all they talk about. And if the scoring can come, especially since he never really played center, he was more of a winger going through all like college and all that. Which is so crazy because you almost never see players jump from the wing into the center, especially and play the as NHL well as they level. do as 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 like he is positionally. Yes, I hear you there. We're we're hoping for a little of that Tage Thompson, huh? Maybe I that's don't what know. he did. They moved him from the wing into the middle, and that's what unlocked his. Tage Thompson was still a first round pick, though. But Noah Cates fair. was not. You know, Noah Cates went. Yeah, but Tage Thompson was also like 24, and a lot of people had given up on him. Fair enough. Well, Noah Cates is 23 right now, isn't he? Yeah, but like you said, he's a bit of a, a bit of a later round project, so it's not a big deal. Which which every team needs to have, uh, right. to, at least to me. I think every team needs to have one of those guys that you go, this doesn't happen all the time. We, we talk about development. We talk about how the Tampa Bay Lightning can continue to churn out players from the Syracuse Crunch to win championships. Exactly. That's then, what they're doing. That's yeah, what the Flyers are doing here, hopefully. Yeah, and then, you know, and then Joel Farabee, who, like, we have to, again, continue to acknowledge, it's going to be a while before, like, it's going to be next season before you see. And, before he's 100%. And, and, again, Tortorella kind of made a comment that kind of pulled back on, because Tortorella kind of earlier in the year said he can't hide behind the injury anymore. You got to kind of get going or whatever. And he kind of pulled back on, well, with a couple people he's pulled back on, but he even said, you don't build, you don't add muscle during the season. Nobody can do that. You don't have the ability to work out. Right, you over just can't the, like, lift like that at the same level well, because you need like th- there's only so much you can do physically before you need to stop because like from just playing the games you can't just like you can't just look at every off day and say I'm getting into the gym and I'm building muscle between game day. You're right, you can't do it. It's not possible. You need to like relax. It's why no, but it's no, but it's it's why teams like I don't think the Flyers have had a practice in nearly two weeks. Like I, probably the, not. The week that they just had, Tortorella had even said from the beginning, we're not practicing no. ever. Like, it's a game every other day, and that's exactly when we're getting on the ice. There's no practices. Right. And they didn't. And then yeah. this past week, especially when you factor in being on the road, they did they, they did the exact same thing. There's no practice in and between. And I'm willing to bet the morning Sunday, skates are Tuesday. light. Usually optional, to be honest. Tortorella's right. even said something about, like, he do, he hates it. He wishes that they would stay off the ice more, but he said, I can't tell them not to. So, but, but like, so Farabee's production, which was going pretty well for a little while, because he, he had, he picked it up a little bit about like earlier in the month, I want to say, is when that was, and had a handful of games pretty much from the tail end of the West Coast trip to the return home, kind of, where he was, he scored a few more. He has three, he had three goals and three assists, four assists, I'm sorry, 
in like six games. And we were kind of getting excited, like, oh, the, here, here he comes. Com- here he comes. This is the guy that we remember and all stuff like that. And he's literally been held without a point since the Boston game, which, okay, I get the Boston game. The Boston game was obviously a disaster because the talent level is so far, yeah. you know, in between. But he hasn't really done much against, you know, against Anaheim, Chicago, Detroit teams, you know, teams where other guys are finding a way to succeed. He's gone the last now, so that there's be an eight game pointless streak as he goes into the break. So, you know, and and you know what? That's kind of been a thing with Joel Farabee his entire career. He's been a like, little streaky. Yeah. So there's not exactly much that you can do about that right now. He's going to have to take a step like and, and I do think health plays a factor like like to an extent where it's like it's going to be impossible for him to be 100 percent for the rest of the year. It's just sure. impossible. He needs to come down to take... the stretch of that busy coming down the stretch of that busy schedule. I, it would make sense that he's, you know, a little on the. the you know, things are a little flared up, maybe. Right. Well, he needs, maybe not feeling 100 percent. Well, he, he needs to play the rest of the season, then take like two, three weeks to a month off. Just to rest and to completely heal back up. I mean, maybe maybe do whatever it is you want to do that's light, but don't go crazy with it. I'm I'm hoping he's taking this entire week off. I don't want him touching ice. (laughs) Well, I don't think they can. Okay. Yeah, but if guys go home and go to the local ice rink, they're going to let them skate. You know what I mean? I suppose, but like I don't player, know. Many. If, a play, if a guy wants to get on the ice, he can find a way to get on the ice. Yeah, I hear you, but I don't. I truthfully, I don't think it's the case most times. Like, if they give you a week off, they give you a week off. Take a week and, off, right? Well, and, and, it'd be like checking your email on your vacation. Don't and, do that. Don't check your email on your vacation. And the um, and the league, you know, the league kind of, I think, with this bye week thing too, also kind of makes it so that. It's a like it's a little bit of vacation. I like you know it's because it's funny. You just you're bringing this up now. And last week your line was you know if they want to you know we'll find out where they're all vacationing pretty soon or whatever. Which and you're not wrong about that. I'm not saying that five it's, days in Cabo or whatever. Right. Well, and that because the joke was after going to the football game this afternoon, right after we right. find out that like half of them went there or something, right? Well, speaking of, by the way, we do both. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, we both yes. are representing the, the Philadelphia Eagles today. Uh, just a real quick little detour because we, we don't have a slide <laughs> for it or anything. Yeah, no, but uh, it's fair. I'll ask you the same question I asked you last week, Kevin. Yes. If the Eagles do prove victorious today, who would you rather see in their next game? Oh, I don't have a preference because both of the teams that they would play at that point are good for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, I... It's a tough. It's a tough call. I mean, right now, I guess Kansas City has more question marks, which makes it good. Like, you got a quarterback with an ankle issue. You have, you know, there was I saw something the other day that Travis Kelsey's questionable for the game. Not that he won't play, but it's like if if you whenever you can put a target on somebody to an extent where you're not where you're trying to deliberately hurt a guy, but when you know he's not perfect to a, to a high right. talent player, you kind of want to lean into the advantage a little bit, you know. I'm going to give you two words for a name and then two words for a reason. Okay, this is who you'd rather cuz I like I'll tell Correct. you like I, no cuz I'll tell you right now. I have who I think it's who who I think it'll be. I know like in my mind I know exactly who I think it'll be. The name is Joe Burrow. Okay. The reason is media day. Come on. 
Oh, what, because you like his media day? Absolutely. Oh, I, know. I, I'm a- I think Joe Burrow is ready for the media test that is playing the Philadelphia Eagles. You didn't see. You're saying you're doing it from a totally different angle. I, th- I figured you're just talking about who would I rather see from a, you know, from a talent level slash I, a team. Listen, if you've been watching this, listening to this show, consuming this show for a while, you know <laughs> I've kind of fallen off the football train. I don't care about the game. It'd be cool if they won. I don't really know. I think both the Chiefs and the the Bengals are very, very good teams. Right. So I, mean, I don't. So it doesn't matter. Is the ultimate nope. point. So let's have some fun. Let's party. Joe Burrow. No, and here's the thing: if you if you were asking me to make a pick for the other game, I think Cincinnati wins today. No, I. Mm, no, I, have, I do. I have weird vibes on Mahomes doing something special. And Bro- broken ankle. He's gonna throw for three fifty. Well, I don't think it's broken. I don't think it's broken. I think it's a high it's a ankle sprain. Hi, whatever. I get your point. After and he does something stupid, they're gonna say he did it with a broken ankle. So maybe I don't know. Um, I still think uh, like it's a rematch. It's you know, it seems like every time that that Joe Cool goes into Arrowhead, they find a way to win. Yep. I, I'm taking every, that's every what time I'm, they play the Chiefs. That's and that's what I'm taking right now. I'm sorry, he's like, especially when you consider. And again, we're not a football podcast. No, not not at all. I'm not trying to break down here, but and I fully acknowledge I'm waiting in way beyond. We um we we opened the show last week, and I even said like Saturday night couldn't have gone any better when it came to what the Eagles did the week before. Couldn't have gone any better, and I think the only team that came anywhere close to that kind of it couldn't have gone any better was Joe Burrow and the Bengals at that time. Like, that was the one team that went in, and and look, I'm not sugarcoating this part of it at all, beat a way better team than the Eagles had to right? to get there and made it look almost easy. Like, it was pretty close to easy for them against Buffalo. So I I, I got to roll with it right now. I got I to gotta say, he's and- been... And 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 it's every it's it's every bit of reason, um, that because he like because he's the quarterback. That's every bit of reason why, I would be picking them. Every bit of reason. But we need to get back to the hockey stuff here and stop doing this. You know, enough of me talking about Joe Burrow, how good of a quarterback he is. This is this is what the radio station would want from me, not the uh, you know, not not the you would think podcast here. Listen, we can have some fun with it. We're we're allowed to cover whatever we want. Nobody tells No, I know. And, and and well and, like <laughs> like what a perfect week to kind of have this game fall because now like it was, it, it was actually really funny because, and this is a good tie-in to kind of the end of the Flyers week, if you, if you will. This is a good tie-in for. Before it because- we get back on the Eagle, or before we get back on the Flyers, one more thing: if the Eagles do win, we will do a Super Bowl, a little Super Bowl preview next week. Okay, go okay. to Flyers. <laughs> well, no, the reason I'm saying that is because this is a good lead into the game on Saturday night that they play yes. because because the, apparently the Sixers had played the afternoon too. Okay, and so they and to found turn the floor. And, well, no, 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 because the Flyers. Oh, were they were in Winnipeg. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so no, they didn't have to do anything. And besides, it was a weird. I didn't even know the Sixers were playing at three o'clock in the afternoon. Or yeah, whatever, I happened a, to uh, flip it on at work, and I was like, oh, Saturday. I guess the Sixers game is starting. But oh, I okay, cool. But my point, I saw a lot of tweets after the Sixers game was because Joel Embiid like had forty-seven. Yeah, had another massive game. You know, I, I, and I'm not trying to Monster. say it like, I, and I'm not trying to say it like I don't know anything about this type of stuff. It's it's like ho hum. He had another forty something point game. Okay, cool. Another day at the office. Um, but a lot of people were tweeting things like, "Okay, that's the lead in. Like, g- 
Go Birds, that's the lead and kind of stuff. And then I kind of thought later on at night, I'm like, the Flyers gave you a kind of a good lead into like this could be a fun weekend if this plays out the way that yeah. it's leading up to this. This feels like what I don't remember exactly what year it was. I want to say it might have been. I mean, it was a long time ago. It was probably like 2010 or something like that or something ridiculous. But there was an Easter weekend where they swept all three teams played on Easter and they swept nice. or like or not all three. I'm sorry, because it would have been it was Flyers, Flyers, Sixers, Phillies played on Easter and it was a okay. clean sweep. Nice. And, you know, you're looking at a potential weekend like that because and to think like we just brought up Embiid and the way he played it for the Sixers. And then you got what you got from Carter Hart on Saturday night and Carter Hart put on a show. He really did. Like, and I, look, I'm going to be full disclosure here. I did not see a ton of the game on Saturday. I was kind of preoccupied with some other things. It was a feisty but, little game. Like a lot of their games have been, obviously, throughout the course but you, of the season. But you, but you see how a game plays out and like, okay, they scored the first goal. It was kind of late in the first period. And then they score in the second period and they make it 2 nothing. And then it's the... And then you kind of check in and it's like, oh, it's the end of the second period and it's 2 nothing. And all it took for me was Owen Tippett scored three minutes into the third period and I'm like, okay, game over. Yep. Oh, they yeah, got, that goal... They, they got I, it now. Yep. That's it. And the way they were playing, they were playing a, like a great team. And Winnipeg is towards the top of the Western Conference last time I Winnipeg's checked, right? A, and Winnipeg, for them playing Winnipeg to start the week, because that's a, like it's a good, like we said, it's a bookend kind of thing where they started the week with Winnipeg, they ended the week with Winnipeg. Tortorella even said after that first Winnipeg game, or maybe uh, it's actually maybe it's not after the first one. It was I think he said it after the L.A. game actually is when he said it. But it but the the Winnipeg game kind of felt the same way because he talked about after the L.A. game that it, in the first ten minutes he thought they were going to lose ten nothing, which yeah. is which it's really funny to say. But in the, they were getting but, caved in. Actually, maybe that was the Winnipeg game because Winnipeg went up three nothing eight minutes in. Yeah, it yeah, was they bad. were they were getting caved in. It was ugly. And, and and it's a sh- like it was really a shame because it was the first you know Felix Sandstrom was the guy who was kind of back in and all that stuff like that and we kind of expected because Carter had gotten the last couple of games despite that so they had the back to back Carter we we already because we covered on the last episode that Carter Hart plays against Detroit has one of those games again makes a crazy save at the end just to give him the win yep and then. We had we had to figure he's not getting the start on Sunday, and he didn't. But that means that when it's kind of going bad, like it was at the start of that game, where it's like five minutes in, like a minute and a half later, two minutes after that, eight and a half minutes in, you're down three nothing. Yep. He, there's nowhere for him to go. He's not coming out of that game. No. It's you gotta figure it out. You kind of just gotta deal with it. And I'm not gonna lie to you. There's an element of this, maybe not the exact order, but there was a bit of an element to this game where it, the three, nothing kind of comeback that they had starts with the goal at the, around the same time. When you're thinking like you kind of go back to that Boston game in 2010, it's like, it's late. You get a goal. Okay. Yep. It's a two goal game and they played a decent second period. And then they get another one again, same thing, final two minutes. Well, now you got a game with the third period coming up and they get a power play early and they score on that one too. So you're in the game, and the shame of the whole thing was, and there was plenty of time left after this goal, don't get me wrong, but Winnipeg takes the lead and ultimately gets the game winner on a goal that Sandstrom said he was in between moves. He like kind of bit the wrong way, so he couldn't recover. It's a leaky goal. It looks bad. It comes 
mere hours after Tortorella had said he needs that one more stop. Well, there's the one more stop, and that's yep. the one that was the game winner. So, yep. you know, and, and kind of unsurprising from there, knowing the way that the schedule was for the rest of the week, it was not really a surprise that Carter Hart was going to get the rest of the week. Right. It's it's not probably not Felix Sandstrom's best uh, impression heading into the All-Star break. I, I don't think he's had the best impression kind of period throughout the year, no. especially especially when Sam Harrison came up and did what he did. Like, you can tell that the coach at least didn't want to have to do what they did, but right. it was the easiest course of action for now. But the coach would prefer to have Harrison back up, and then you could really work with, you know, both and guys. Sandstrom has looked good in flashes, but just not consistently enough to to warrant being the backup at this point. Sandstrom's going to turn out to be probably, and I'm look. I'm not trying to say this means it's his whole career, his whole career a path. Fourth round pick. <laughs> well, he he was a third rounder actually, but I hear your point there. No, where I, I was think going, that's what he's getting traded for. No, oh, okay, but here, no, here's where I was going because you know, I was actually going to make a goalie comp like comparison here because there was a there was another goalie who played on Saturday night that I kind of think that's exactly what Sandstrom's going to be down the line. Uh, does the you know did you catch who was in goal for Florida on Saturday night? I didn't. Oh, uh, was it Alex Lyon? Yes, and I think that yes. that's kind of your comparison, which means that when this guy's not available, when this guy's not available, he's your call up and he's around. You know, Alex Lyon was great in flashes. It, it well, especially against a team like Boston, absolutely. <sighs> Man. Like. They looked like there was plenty of times where Boston looked like they had that team dead to rights and he kept them in it and they they still almost lost the game. But, yep. you know, you get a goal with a second to go and you, to tie it up, it was very, you know, how, how very Montreal Canadiens against the Flyers earlier this year kind of stuff. But you get a goal late and then you find a way to win it in overtime pretty quickly in overtime, too, because we all kind of. Uh, we were having some we had some people over on. Saturday, hence why I kind of didn't get a close look at the Flyers game, but kind of like Fair. in bits and pieces, the Bruins Panthers game was on NHL Network and it was on an hour earlier. So we were watching some of that, too, and it went to overtime. We couldn't believe how quickly overtime was over. So before we get to Saturday, and yes. I know we've talked on Saturday a lot. OK, we are completely skipping over fight night in Minnesota. Oh, that. Uh, Holy that crow. Three yeah. fights in 15 seconds, a fourth fight in the second period. You know what? They were all good hockey scraps among big, beefy boys. I don't have a sure. problem with any of them. I don't have a problem with any of them. Uh, until you realize that two of the players that were involved got hurt during the game. Now, Wade Allison, Allison didn't get hurt in his fight. I will give you right. that. Zach McEwen broke his jaw in the fight. <laughs> I listen. If you're gonna fight, that's the kind of thing that happens. I understand. He also didn't exactly pick a an inexperienced fighter there. He fought Marcus no. Foligno. I mean, well, and that's why I don't have a problem with it. Nobody was picking on anybody. The most uneven matchup, just kind of size wise, just look, or you know, fighting experience wise, is going to be Mason Shaw and Wade Allison. But Wade Allison held his own in that scrap. Sure. Nick Delorier, Ryan Reeves, what a heavyweight main event to start it off. And it oh wasn't my. like, and it's interesting because it wasn't even that good of a fight, kind of in a way. Like there were a couple of shots. It was a pretty many. solid scrap for for like, this day and age. That was a pretty solid scrap. We don't have a whole lot of technical fighters okay. anymore. Well, no, and here's here's the thing. I don't tend. Sometimes I don't judge a fight completely on 
the quality of uh, like let's say a punch thrown or landed or anything like that i kind of qualify it as how long do they let it last you know if it, if if we're still watching the same fight a minute later a minute and a half later it's a good one because usually you get like wait like Wade Allison goes in there and the takedown happened in 3 seconds and and it's for over. Wade Allison that's probably ideal oh yeah well and he's the one who did by the way he wrestled Shaw down right. instead of the other way around which is also ideal but um but when you get like when Reeves and Deloria are out there and it goes for a while that's way better. I mean, even, good even, even even to experienced guys like McEwen and Felino who who do that, you know, that wasn't that long. I think it was about 15 seconds, maybe. I'm like, I'm willing to bet McEwen felt the jaw break. And well, no, he went down. Right. That's what I'm saying. And that was the end of that. But. Sure. But I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then even after that, there were just there were. Well, there was another the one. No, but, the no, there was another fight in the second period. Too. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown yep. and Brandon Duhame. So. Which again, kind of, you know, nothing to write. I, like, I think your best one was the first one. They started kind of, at the top. Yeah. Which everybody was waiting for anyway, because Delorier played there and Reeves is known for it. And it's like, okay. That was Reeves, his first fight as a member of the Minnesota right, Wild. Right. Because I was about to say, uh. he's still a relative newcomer to the Minnesota Wild. So I get that. But, 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 but like, the anticipation of having a guy who you know does that on your roster and then Delorier, who played there for a while and knowing he does. Like, it's not surprising. And then, but you're right. That was it. Was a very much it was very much a penalty filled game. There was a lot of like, a lot of physicality. physicality two big you... heavy teams. You know, yeah, obviously sure. the, the Minnesota Wild have a little more skill. Obviously, the, the the Philadelphia Flyers aren't currently icing a player that it is is as skilled as Karel Kaprizov or Matt Zuccarello. But um, Zuccarello, maybe like I feel like because Zuccarello is older now. That's fair. That's fair. He slowed down a little bit, but he scored the game winner and it was pretty. Because because that well that that comes down to defending properly at three on three. I mean, he he just walks Travis Konechny and then D'Angelo's too far on the other side to and do anything too, about it. So too busy he, whining about a penalty call he didn't get. Which to be fair, no, not um, in that game. That was the, that was L.A. Oh, that was L.A. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've gotten the the overtime. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. This because no, this was quite literally almost a one on two, and Konechny can't defend in that to that level. Not when that speed's coming at you. So, so he just gets like blown past, like it was nothing. Right. They recognize and, that there was a and, forward back, and and and, and D'Angelo's kind of playing defense like it's a D pairing. So he's on the opposite side, and then has to, he has no angle. Right. So so you lose that too. So that that's where that comes from. No, you're thinking of the end of the LA game, right? Right, right, where D'Angelo got basically clipped by. It's um, a penalty. Yeah, it, it's it, a penalty. And I, and I get it. They hadn't called anything throughout, so I'm not saying I'm surprised by it. The, the refs and, were terrible in that game. No, I, I. But here's the thing: like, and I can level with it's a penalty, but I can also level with John Tortorella being like, maybe not the part where he goes, "It's not get no up penalty. and get back." Get up and get back. I don't care what happened going against you. You can't turn around in three on three and look at the official and think that the play is going to stop. For what it's worth, uh, he did end up picking up an unsportsmanlike and a game misconduct at the end of that one. I hadn't even realized that that's how funny it is. I didn't know that at all. Because that's how much he was giving it to the ref. He, man, we need to get John Boy on a lip reading because it was colorful. 
Oh, and you got to realize something too. Like we saw the play, obviously, but right. I'm getting I'm getting up and trying to go downstairs, so I didn't catch any. Like I saw oh. him, I, I saw him jawing from clear the bench. As, clear as clear as day on the lip read. F you, get the f out of here. Yeah, you're effing terrible. Just <laughs> everything under the book. Like you know, it's it's an angst. It's an angsty bunch right now because they got they also got an unsportsmanlike conduct bench miner. Uh, in the Saturday I'm, game, too. I'm willing to bet that was John Tortorella. <laughs> I don't know though because somebody I saw something about clarification of it because Joel Farabee was the one who served the penalty, and right. he's been out on PK before. Right. So the thought process was that maybe somehow or other Farabee's the one who said something. I don't know. Maybe or maybe he had like just been on the ice and Torts picked him because he wasn't going to be killing the penalty. Maybe I don't know, but look, it, it's not like. It's not labeled like that in the in the uh, in the notes. It just says it was bench served by Joel Farabee, which to me right. makes me seem like this is a Tortorella thing. Right, that's what I'm saying. So All probably right. Tortorella said the magic words. I don't know. Heading into the break, because uh, mm-hmm. the Flyers do have this upcoming week off. We do have the All Star festivities uh, next weekend. Yep. Uh, where do you think? Okay. We talked a little bit earlier about the fact that they're, you know, six points out of a playoff spot and they're technically still kind of floating around, but they are in the middle. Um, they are kind of towards the bottom of the middle. Because um, if you th- if you break it down roughly, there's five good teams, five medium teams, and five bad teams in the conference. And they're teetering between the last medium team and the first bad team. <laughs> not a great spot to be. Sure. Um should okay okay let me let me throw yeah, out a I situation w- to you yep i want your questions here we go is this the last chance to fire chuck fletcher before the trade deadline and i don't think they're going to at this point i think you're probably already too deep but it, it, if well, you're no, going it, to it's not going to happen okay and i'm going to and i'll let's go this way not th- not that things can't change but they already have a game plan over the course of this first week as january flips to february and early February, he's supposed to do something that involves Flyers fans of some kind, a, a forum or something. I saw I saw that the One other day. One of their day, famous open houses. Yeah, kind kind of. It's I think uh, Snow the Goalie had something on that. So. Okay. so basically, he's not going anywhere. And and to be honest with you, I don't know of a general manager who's been fired this late into a season. Okay. I don't know. I don't know of it to happen because there's too much that needs to take place if you were to do that. And I don't mean like a hiring process and all that type of stuff. You're so far past the point at this point because you just played your last game until early February beyond all-star weekend. Well, all-star weekend falls on the third and the fourth of February, which means that as of all-star weekend, you have one month until the trade deadline. Are you really going to try to pass your notes off to somebody else and say, this guy's doing the work now with a month to go? You shouldn't be, you know, like it's too late for that. So, He's I mean, in. Would you be surprised if this dumpster organization did that? <laughs> no, because not, no, and I'll tell you why. And I, I was talking about this. I was talking about this the other night with somebody, and I, you, I kind of used this exact language to describe it because most teams are what most teams should do when it comes to things like, like the concept seems to almost be that they're waiting for another, and, and it's not going to happen anytime soon now because they just won a game on Saturday. But they had lost three in a row coming in, and it's like they're waiting for like another massive losing streak to prove that his seat should get hot again or something because right. they started to win games, right? All right, you can't fire him when you've won seven out of eight or whatever. Some, exactly, something like that. Right. And kind of my point to the whole thing was is, okay, listen, 
especially when it comes to management and team building and all that type of stuff, you can't be reactive to we keep losing, so we have to fire a guy. You've got to be proactive to where is this going and how are we not competing with everybody else? You know what I mean? Like, if you're looking at a team that doesn't have enough skill and doesn't seem like they're getting any skill and doesn't seem like they're making the right decisions on how to get that skill, then you need to be proactive in going in a direction that allows you to get that skill, right? Right. You can't just sit back and, and be like, well, you know, we can't really fire the guy because we like him and they're doing well enough. Like, well enough should never be the answer. And I'm tired of kind of it being leaned upon that doing well enough is okay. You're not doing like, – the only team that right now can sit there and say we're doing well enough or close to is anybody who's within shouting distance of the Boston Bruins at this right. point. If you're the Bruins, you can say we're doing well enough. We can't do anything. And maybe if you're – And they're Carolina, still going to add. It's crazy. Right. But, <laughs> but, maybe if, you know, but maybe if you're a team like Carolina or Toronto where you're not at the top, but you're like – you're not number one, but you're close enough, you know, or – and even, you know, I'm trying to pick on a team – Let's let's pick on a team like Tampa, for example, because pick Tampa, on a team like Tampa. No, 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 no well, you know what I mean. Pick, Three straight pick, cup finals. Pick, like I mean, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Because they're in third place in a division. They're not exactly like they've got a couple games in hand on Toronto, so they could jump to second. But they haven't exactly played like anything more than a number three. Let's right. be real. Right. And and yet their playoff spot is relatively secure. They're nine points up on the next team that would be able to get the spot from them. And the no third, one, no one on planet Earth doubts that they're getting in. Well, right, but my point is, is like, okay, well, let's say that gap was just a little closer, and maybe the threat of being out of the playoffs is a little bit greater. Does a team like that though not sit there and say, you know what, we're doing good enough at this point that we can't make a move? Like, we, we have no reason to be proactive. We've got be- we've got better than this. They're gonna it's pick up. They're gonna pick up Luke Shen. Oh, I believe that actually. Oh, yeah. I fully believe that. And, um, and he he's just gonna fit right back in there. But even actually, you know, what? I've got a great example for you on one of them as well, or two great examples that I think would also apply for this. Take it. Take two teams like Vegas and L.A. L.A.'s got a negative nine goal differential right now, despite being third place in their division and having Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau. So it's kind of almost like it it almost is a little bit of faulty information there, because it's like for a team with a negative nine goal differential, they're in the playoffs and they probably, you know, they, they got a five point margin here. So they're okay. Right. right. They're probably making the playoffs at this point and, in time. And a team like Vegas, and I'm like Vegas' is, standings position is, is fine, but they're in a rough patch right now. Yeah. They've lost four in a row. They've lost seven of eight, I think is what it is, or something like that. So it's like they're having some trouble right now. And like I saw something the other day, like Bruce Cassidy's out there saying something like, we just can't do anything right right now and stuff like or something along those lines, right? Like, like they're really feeling it, and yet, like they're still in second place in their division. But you don't get reactive to even things like that when it's been good for the majority. You know what you've got. You have to kind of take the good with the bad. But when you're a team like the Flyers that doesn't have any like real prospects for anything other than a handful of guys that are going to be here next year, maybe like you're otherwise your team is what it is, and you're not going to get any better. And I'm sorry, like. You're not above 500. You haven't been above 500 since you've had the chance to go above 500, I believe. All right. Like every, everything, like every, and and there's just you can't accept good enough, and you can't be like in 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 terms of can't accept good enough, or you know if these guys were healthy or whatever the case may be. You also can't sit there and just 
wait for something bad to happen that prompts the response. Sometimes you just got to do it. All right, Chuck, you ready? <laughs> Trade JVR to whoever. Right? Whoever is a playoff team, eat half the salary, get a third round, second round pick, whatever whatever it is. Sure. Bo Horvat. Okay, so I want to bring something else up for a second. Okay. In, rela- in relation to that, because I did see this as a rumor the other day. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't like, uh, like I, I'm not saying I don't know where, like, I just don't know who it says. Like, I feel like it's just being thrown out there just to throw it out there. Like, and you know that that happens. Well, it's the right? internet. If you say it, it means no, it's no, true. no, 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 no. I like, I'm not talking about the, I don't know where the report is coming from. I'm saying like, I feel like maybe the idea that this is a rumor is okay. somebody else. Cause, Cause you know how agents like throw stuff around like, Oh, I'm trying We're, to get more interest in my guy. So this team drumming up, drumming up a little bit of smoke to see if somebody's willing to right. fire. I saw, I saw, I saw the fourth period brought up something like, that they have interest in, I, I think it was interest in Brock Besser and Timo Meyer. Now, well, Meyer's first of all, thing. right? Timo Meyer has to come with a contract extension because he is an RFA, and you're going to have to give up a lot to get him. And I really don't want this team to give up a lot to get him just to have to qualify him because I don't know if you're aware his qualifying offer situation. It's the the Matthew Kachuk situation where he has like a one year. This is Meyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has a one year $10 million qualifying offer that walks him right to UFA. Interesting. I'd really Um, rather not go down that road if we're the No, I got you. And I'm not not like – well, the answer is neither. I mean like you really shouldn't be going after either guy at this point. Like – that's beside it's so beside the point like that just prolongs this aggressive retool thing you know cutter cutter gochier and the flyers 2023 first round pick for brock besser and bo horvat (laughs) i can't even go there bo horvat's had a great year (laughs) chuck fletcher's managing for his job listen oh he already knows that like travis konechny gets to play on his cousin's wing come on Come now on. look, now look. Th- th- there is a caveat to all of this right now. N- not that it should matter, because I-, I believe at the moment the idea is that this is Chuck Fletcher's final contracted year. Okay. And then there's nothing else beyond this at this point. Do you know when his his contract rollover date is? Like, does that expire July first, like a free agent's or? I, I don't know exactly. Okay, I, I, because that's nerve wracking. And, and, and here's the thing, like like I said, I I believe that this is the supposed thing. I don't know it for fact because okay. usually things like that, like about as much as we ever end up knowing is coaching contracts, and that usually leaks out. But we don't really know a whole ton about general managers too right. much, because usually general managers are kind of it doesn't matter. Un- they're well, the, the whole thing with them is under the radar. You don't really get a ton of general manager firings during the year to have to equate the money it's usually right. at the end of a whole thing like you know it, it like it, it's so it doesn't really make a difference per se you know but either, either way like i just don't get this concept of waiting for something horrible to happen so that you can justify like to justify what you know to justify the fact that it'll be the fourth 10 game streak that he's had under his watch you know on his watch like what do you like? If that's what you need, then get the hell out of the hockey business. Like, you can't. Like, there's any anybody running any professional sports team needs to know kind of where the game is going before it happens. And 
I get that other sports are easier to do this than others because I've seen because I've seen a, an awful lot on Twitter, an awful lot of the salary cap era thing needs either needs to go or they need to redo something with it because now you're like people are like because it has to do with the amount of the amount of players that are on LTIR the amount of, or the amount of right. teams that are utilizing it and things like that. and I totally get it. There's an element of that where. If we're still dealing with this next year, then I think everybody's got a point. This year, you already knew walking in that they were still trying, like they're still, we're still paying off COVID. our COVID yep. uh, escrow. Like I think exactly. I think this year or next year is the last year the players are paying it off, and that's when we kind of expect to start seeing some salary cap jumps. Right now, now I theoretically the ease is coming. Now here's here's the one area where I not not counter, but it's like I wish that this was. I wish that this was a thing, and I wish it was a thing in every sport. To be honest, I mean, maybe not. Maybe baseball doesn't have to worry about this because they they just no, they just have the luxury tax. They don't have the baseball's embarrassing in terms of payrolls. I hear you, but they isn't don't Aaron have... Judge making more than like the entire Arizona Diamondbacks or something ridiculous like that? Some... Not per year, I don't think. Is he? I I don't know. I saw a thing on the no, internet. And obviously, most contracts like like I hear you. Most free agents are getting contracts that are. Th- 300 something million dollars for years or something. So they make 30 million dollars a year. So I don't think they're exceeding total team payrolls, but I do think that I hear what you're saying. They're like at least 50% of a payroll potentially. Um, But baseball had like baseball has the luxury tax and baseball has like really no limits on where you can go with it. Like if you want to exceed this luxury tax, that's on you as an owner and you pay a penalty for it. But most people don't care, right? Like there's no limits. I kind of wish that some of the sports that are like this, because the NFL has a salary cap, but the NFL also allows for restructuring contracts with regularity. And I kind of wish that that was the case. Like, don't you wish that instead of us having these conversations about, well, JVR, you got to trade him, eat salary. That's the only way you're going to move the contract over. Like, if you didn't like the contract that you made or you made the contract to get the guy and then later on did something to it to be like, so now the cap hit's going to be, you know, go from five million to three million, but you're still going to get your money. We're just going to repurpose the way you get your money. Then it would change the game on the way, like, like Kevin Hayes. Kevin but, Hayes is making over seven million dollars. By the and way, what if you got real quick? You mentioned how much is Aaron Judge making? Oh, I don't know exactly what he's making. You said I, about about forty million a year, something like that. Is the yeah. number okay? Great. Uh, he made more last year than Pittsburgh's payroll, Oakland's payroll, and Baltimore's payroll. Well, there you go. O- Oakland's payroll last year was fifteen point zero three million dollars. Because they, well, yeah, because they signed a bunch of guys for a million dollars, basically ba- or less. Baltimore twenty two point oh four million. Because Pittsburgh those... thirty point four seven million. Okay, because do you, insane. You, do you know why that is? Because not unlike a lot of other jobs out there in the world, if you can get it for cheaper. Then you do it. So you take the inexperienced younger oh, guy who who doesn't have the big contract yet and you run him out there instead I, of signing the $25 million player. No, I totally get it. I just baseball's a bit embarrassing with the payroll system. Sure. No, I get I get you. But but my my point in saying it is that you don't worry about that stuff. And baseball went through the same thing. Like baseball lost half a season. Baseball sure. didn't have fans in the stands for the 60 games they had. So they're they're losing revenue too, but it didn't stop owners from being like, "I got the money, I'm spending it," you know? Yeah. Like, like I, the idea, I wouldn't like, hate a luxury tax. No, well, I what I would like I said, I, like I said, I think the proposal should be that you have the ability to go to agents and restructure contracts to keep your players. I've I've also heard a proposal that I really like, um, where a team can go over the salary cap. 
uh, within a certain distance of and after the trade deadline. So say within a week of until the end of the season, you get an extra 20% on your cap. Okay, interesting. That way you could – that you incentivize playoff teams for bringing players in. You don't have quite as much of the, the kind of punishment in terms of having to pay more for – Cap space, I guess et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a challenge. It's just a challenge because there's so much like there's a lot of logistics that go into any decision you would make. Sure. Like what I just don't understand is that because you got te- like especially in the NHL, you've got teams that throw out money now with regularity. You know, hey, this guy who we know is no better than a second liner or a second pair defenseman is going to make six, seven million dollars next year because that's what we call the going rate for it. But the reality is, is that that's not going to age well, or maybe it will if the cap goes up, but the cap hasn't gone up. So when you're in this flat cap, like there should be a way to readjust some things to make the cap work better. So you're not penny pinching here for other guys. Like, like this is how teams end up with the fourth liners that they do because it's like, oh, I can get that guy for $750,000 because I have to. As opposed to, I want to go out and get this guy. Like, right. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, if you could take, and that's why I said, like, Kevin Hayes, we're sitting here having a conversation about Kevin Hayes going, oh, you know, with three years left on the contract, if they can find somehow or other a way to sweeten the deal to make a team want to take the rest of it and things like that, how about you just have the ability to say, listen, I like Kevin Hayes as a player and a person. I know he's not more, you know, middle sit best, only third liner, really where he belongs. And I don't want to pay him $7 million toward the cap anymore i'll give him the money but right. i don't want to pay him seven million toward the cap anymore so i want to restructure this deal and get it down to four and a half five million instead toward right. the cap and That's teams fair. do that and, and nfl teams do that all the time so that they can somehow or other still afford to pay 40 million dollars a year to the quarterback that they want to have while keeping a bunch of Just offensive line year. while keeping a bunch of offensive linemen and linebackers and cornerbacks and you name every other position out there they find a way to keep everybody else around that they want to keep because they say we're going to readjust this whole contract so that this is how much cap money is going into it and the rest will be this and they stay under the cap Man, i we are love not that a cap podcast <laughs> no but i love that that's the way that you can do it where it's like it, Instead of the idea that you have to move on from this player or have to eat salary just to make it work. And that's not to say that you need to like that you, you want to be doing that every single time. You I, want to say, I don't up. I don't want to give this management team more tools to hang on to crappy players. Well, I really right, don't I want that. I don't want to give our ma- current management staff that opportunity. No, but uh, but okay, let like I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here or anything like that, but let's just kind of like have fun with something for a second okay. because it was every because it was everything that everybody talked about in the offseason. Johnny Gaudreau. Let's just say like at the end of the day, the, the, the idea was kind of couldn't make it work, right? They didn't even have the ability to offer anywhere close to what he wanted, right? So what if you could restructure somebody's contract to try to go after that guy? Like, like that's usually the leverage tool that happens in these other sports, right? All you had to do to go after him was not sign Tony D'Angelo. Well, that no, that's no, that's not what they did, though. No, 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 because no, no, because you're sitting here saying all they had to do was not sign Tony. Then you didn't have to trade for they, his rights. Is the point correct? Is what I'm saying, like, right? But, like, I thought you were gonna like. I thought your answer was gonna be all you had to do was throw a first rounder in with JVR, and you got the money too. I mean, I they should have done that, but, right? Now I know why you don't want to trade. What the first they should have like, done is not trade three assets for Tony D'Angelo and then sign him to a 
terrible contract. Right, but okay, okay. Let's again, let's play a game with this again. What's the reason why they went out and got Tony D'Angelo then? Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis sucks. I know. No, it's all so, I know. No, no. So what if you could take knowing that Ryan Ellis is like a health, you know, problem, restructure his deal so it's not a six point two five million dollar well, cap. It's, it's on LTIR anyway. But you gotta wait to put it on LTIR. So you can't yeah. sign somebody. So instead you try to cut it in half. You're allowed to go over the cap X percent in the offseason. No, I know you are, but like it, then you still have to factor it in later, is my point. So what sure. if you didn't have to factor in six million dollars, you could factor in three. You right. know what I mean? Like that's my point. Like No, I got it. Like that's where the money really comes from. But my point is, is that teams in like the NFL look the, at their other the, guys and say, "What do we need?" Right. So the, the, the thing manager- is, the real yeah. problem with that system, there are a lot of NHL teams that don't have the financial capability to do that. They don't sure, have I the can. financial capability to pay out fifty million dollars in bonuses, so the cap hit gets cut in half. And that's so why they won't get, do it. You, Right, then you lose because, that competi- so-called competitive balance, which really then, lets be real. then Toronto and Boston and Montreal all just have all this extra cap space. And depending on who owns what down the road. And L.A., Arizona, and Carolina don't have that extra cap space. You know what I mean? And that's – at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, and that's why Carolina, they won't do it. Carolina, maybe not so much. Carolina, you know what I'm new, saying. The smaller know, market uh, teams. No, I hear you. But with their new Carolina, with their new ownership, might. That's fair. That's fair. That was that was the only reason I was countering that one. And right. that, well, and LA doesn't qualify the small market thing at all. No, so. well, they're they're a small hockey market. Kind of. I hear you. I know LA is not a small market for anything. Just like New no, York is like, not a small market make, for anything. I mean, I'm sure you could make the argument for Anaheim. Like Anaheim's not, there, like, now that there Anaheim's is not a never Disney been. Thing, a, there has never been any question about putting a second hockey team in LA. No, I, well, they're kind of theoretically there is, but I know. But, All but, right, but but maybe to your point, Anaheim's not owned by Disney anymore. So, as such, like you kind of lose the big corporation bucks there. I guess you know that um, is fair. But. All right, I think that will do it for today. Uh, that was a good. More, uh, it was way more math than I was prepared to do yeah, on a Sunday morning. We are not a cap podcast, and we will not do that every week. I this is good, though, because we didn't talk about anything else around the league other than cap sh- like stuff. No, but that's good because we'll have next week to do that. We don't have any Flyers games to talk about. Our next show will right, be taking next, place the morning after the All-Star break. It's a really good time to do a little look around the league. Uh, we'll touch on maybe some early draft stuff. Uh, if the Philadelphia Eagles win today, we will be doing a little bit of a Super Bowl preview because we have to. <laughs> and um, yeah, I I can't think of anything else for next week, but I'm sure we'll no, have gonna, a lot of fun with it. Yeah, well, it's gonna be perfect because it's the day before everybody comes back, so it's right. gonna be great. Absolutely. So until then, uh, you can find that show where you'll find this show uh, on our Twitter at YWT Podcast. You can follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find the show everywhere you find your podcast: Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. Um, we're all over the place. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends. Share it around. <laughs> all the YouTube algorithm garbage. Uh, Kevin, anything else? Nope. All right. Me neither. Uh, go, go, go birds, birds. and uh, we'll see you.